What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm joined by my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Jeff? How's it going for you? Um, Yankees, we're going to talk about this later, but I'll give you a little preview right now. Your Yankees went into Fenway Park this past weekend and swept the Boston Red Sox. You have to be, you have to be on cloud nine right about now. Man, you don't even know. Especially me being there on that Saturday game. Man, can't wait to get into that one. Yeah, I know you can't. Um, look, and we'll talk about it. We certainly will. Um, the Yankees have done a good job. You know, they've taken care of business. They've done a good job so far. Um, they took care of Texas. They went into Boston and swept three games. Not an easy thing to do at any time, and particularly now when so much was on the line. But they did it. Uh, but they can't let up, Rob, and we'll talk about it because they have the Blue Jays coming yeah. up next. So, um, so yeah, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the, um, the playoff chases in MLB as we come down to the final week of the regular season. But, um, before we do that, Rob, um, we need to revisit a topic that you and I spoke about a couple of weeks ago and that concerns, um, COVID vaccines and the impact that it potentially will have on the NBA season and even NHL season as we go forward. Um, Both NHL and and NBA are, um, the NHL is in camp. Um, NBA uh, is about to open their camps. In fact, they might've opened up as well. Um, But, you know, we do have some COVID restrictions in certain places that are impacting whether or not we're going to see some star players um, playing this year. And let's jump right into it. Cause we talked about this before, right in New York and in San Francisco, there are laws on the books that um, it, well in New York said, look, you have to have at least one dose of the vaccine. Uh, if you're over the age of 12, otherwise you won't be allowed into certain venues, certain gyms, fitness centers, but it, it also includes, you know, um, arenas. So the Barclays Center in Madison Square Garden, for example. And so we talked about how if players on the Knicks and the Nets are not fully vaccinated or at least have one dose of the vaccine, they won't be able to play in games or even practice with their teams um, uh, in New York City. Uh, and so you know, we said, hey, that might raise an issue. And there's a similar law out in in San Francisco. And so a couple of things. One, we saw over the weekend where Andrew Wiggins, a player for the um, uh, for the Golden State Warriors, was looking for an exemption on religious grounds. And, and it was denied by the NBA. And then just today on Monday, Kyrie Irving, star point guard for the New York, New York, for the Brooklyn Nets, um, 
could not participate in media day because of the COVID protocols. And that led to all kinds of speculation that it's because he's not vaccinated. A lot here, man. Um, But, you know, let's start with Wiggins first because he tried to get the exemption and the NBA denied him. And it's unclear at this point what that means for him. What's your take on the Wiggins situation? I think we're seeing uh, the consequences or the repercussions, whatever you want to call it, of what you what you mentioned, what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. And it's some tough choices that have to be made by players who want to participate in the sport they're being paid to play. And, you know, San Francisco, New York, they have these mandates in place. Wiggins tried to get his exemption for religious purposes. And he's actually sticking by it. It doesn't seem like he's going to at least at this point, um, go with the requirement of getting the vaccine to play for Golden State. So you wonder what's going to happen with him from the Golden State front office perspective now. You know, are they going to look to to move the player and avoid that situation and maybe move him to a city that doesn't have the vaccine mandate where he can play and not worry about having to miss games? Are they going to keep him around and risk him missing half the season? And miss having, because, you know, he's a decent player. It's not like he's a bench player or anything like that. He's a decent player. Um, so it's a tough choice that not just Wiggins faces, but also Golden State. They have to, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. And they have to decide, you know, what brings more value? Having this kid out for half a season or moving him, getting a couple complementary parts that match up to his production, maybe a draft pick or two, and then having somebody there for a full season. That's a tough choice but one that has to be made and very soon. It is a tough choice. And right now we're talking just New York and San Francisco, um, but we don't know if other cities, NBA cities will enact similar legislation. And so that remains to be seen. But as you said, out in San Francisco, you know, we have a player right now who can't play. He's not going to be allowed to play. And, you know, the Nets are on their way to the West Coast as they open up preseason. But they'll be back um, in in Brooklyn, or at least in New York City, by next week. And if this situation isn't resolved, and if, in fact, as you know, people are speculating, Kyrie is not vaccinated. And we don't know. We don't know, yeah. but... It certainly seems that way. But if, in fact, he's not, um, man, you're talking about something that could have repercussions, not only for the Brooklyn Nets, but for the entire NBA, because the Nets right now, you know, with Kyrie are considered to be odds on favorites as, you know, to be champions this season. But that would have to change if Kyrie is not available for half the season. Yeah, and you look at, you know, Brooklyn has the talent to make it to the postseason, even without Kyrie or for Kyrie for half a season. I'm pretty sure they're going to, KD's the best player in the world, in my opinion. James Harden, he's not he's not going to be Uncle James like we were joking around last right. week. He, he's going to come back in shape. But then you get into the playoffs and you're still playing in Brooklyn. And you assume they're going to have home court advantage. So the majority of the series, the games in the series, are going to be in Brooklyn. 
and not having Kyrie for those games in the playoffs when you have to face a team like Milwaukee. You know, that, that's, that's where things get tough. And, a, again, a decision has to be made from the Nets organization standpoint of are we going to risk not having Kyrie in a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals because he's not vaccinated? It's, you know, it's tough, man. And, again, like you said, we don't know if Kyrie's vaccinated or not. He didn't really give us any indication of his status at all. Um, but you kind of read the writing on the wall a little bit based on the actions and, and things that took place today. That's the way it seems for sure. That's the way it seems. And, you know, um, so we'll see. And, and obviously with, with, with Kyrie and with the Nets, we will see sooner than later because, again, by next week, they will have returned from the West Coast and things will perhaps become a bit clearer in terms of Kyrie's status. Now, um, as we await that, you know, there are some who are weighing in here, including Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who, I mean, he just went out there and, and said that the NBA should mandate or insist that all players and staff are vaccinated. And if they're not, he said, remove them from the team. And here's a quote. He said, there's no room for players who are unwilling, who are willing to risk the health and lives of their teammates, the staff, and fans simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the necessary research. So here's here's Kareem, one of the most respected uh, men in the game, coming out and flatly saying, if you're not vaccinated, get off the team. Remove that guy from the team. Your thoughts on that? That's that's big words, you know, in small sentence, but huge, huge impactful words. And I mean, it, it's what we've been saying. It's, it's going to be some tough choices for a lot of these players, a lot of the, the organizations. And listen, the staffers have to get vaccinated. They, it's required 100%. They have to do it to be around these players. But then the players don't have to be vaccinated to be around the staffers. So now you're causing a conflict of, of interest, a conflict in general for health precautions and all that stuff for these staffers who, yeah, they are vaccinated, but as we've seen, you can still contract COVID and, and spread it and stuff like that, even if you're vaccinated. So a lot of these people are going home now after being around a player who isn't vaccinated and possibly bringing that stuff home. And that's, that's tough, man, to have your family get sick, even though you guys are all vaccinated at home but because your job mandates the vaccine, you're required to get it. And now you're around players who don't have to. I can see where his point, where Kareem's um, point is. Right. And there have been some staffers that have gone on record saying, you know, expressing the very concerns you just raised, right. That, you know, it's unfair that they have to be vaccinated, but the players don't. Um, you know, the players are covered by a collective bargaining agreement and many of these staffers yeah. aren't, right? And th that accounts for a lot of it. Um, but, you know, what they're saying is, okay, I'm vaccinated, but I, I'm now forced to be exposed around players who may not be vaccinated. Um, 
they don't have the same requirements as staffers and referees and others. Um, and, and so it's leading to some concern It's leading to some animosity. Um, so you have that going on as well. And right now, I think Rob, what I've seen the numbers and, you know, who knows what the exact figure is, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 NBA players, um, reportedly are not vaccinated. So you're talking about more than one per team, right? Um, so every organization potentially is, is dealing with this issue. Um, and so it's something that is not just the players, but also staffers, referees, and of course fans, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot here and I believe over the next couple of weeks, we'll see some things perhaps come into greater focus and we'll have a better understanding of just what exactly the NBA is going to do and also what some of the unvaccinated players are going to do, particularly those who are or may find themselves caught up in local regulations as in San Francisco and in New York. Yeah, and it just goes to show you too, man, like um, this is sports and people don't want to have, you know, quote unquote politics and sports mixing and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it's human life. You know, this is not just, not just athletes, they're humans. These staffers are not just people who work on NBA teams. They're humans who have families go home and all this stuff. So, you know, the inevitable is you have to mix sports and, and life because at the end of the day, we're all human and this is part of it. It It is part of it. And, you know, it's, and it affects multiple people, right? Yeah. In different categories uh, and in different sports. I mean, NHL is going through it as well. And the NHL announced today that, they won't allow unvaccinated players into Canada. Um, and there was some thought that the NHL would apply for what is called a natural national interest ex- exemption, um, whereby, you know, certain people can come into the country because it's deemed to be in the national interest. And, you know, the Blue Jays have applied for that, which is why unvaccinated players can come into uh, Toronto. But the NHL said they're not going to um, apply for the for the exemption. So right now, even though they anticipate 98 percent of NHL players will be vaccinated by the time the season begins, there's still a handful of players who aren't, including yeah. one who hasn't been invited to camp with the um, Colorado Blue Jackets. And, um, you know, so we'll see what happens in the NHL. So this is not just an NBA situation, right? This is an NHL situation as well. And I'm sure other sports are affected. So um, this continues to be a story, man. And it just shows, you know, how far this, covid situation reaches you know what i mean it touches every aspect of society including sports in a big way and it's not just you know because right now we've been back playing games and everything seems normal doesn't it 
But what we're seeing now in the NBA and NHL, not so. Not so. Far from it. Yeah, and that, and that's just the reality of the situation. You know, COVID didn't just end, you know, just because the year 2020 finished and now we're in 2021. It's an ongoing thing. And it's going to take time. And we spoke about this last year. It's going to take time for things to get back to quote unquote normal. And this is the process of it. Yeah. So um, let, let's keep our eye on this one. We all should be keeping our eye on it. Again, Kyrie Irving is one of the most dynamic players in the NBA. And I think most NBA fans, not just Brooklyn Nets fans, but most NBA fans would like to see him on the court. Yeah. Um, so it remains to be seen whether we'll see him only half the time or whether we'll see him at all. Um, and I think a lot of people are hoping that we will see him full time so that he can go out there and do his thing. Um, and not just Kyrie, cause it's not just a Kyrie thing. You got other players like Bradley Beal, who's, you know, he's not vaccinated and, you know, and others who have gone on record are saying that they're not vaccinated and, and they're not going to get the vaccination and that's their choice. And we talked about that before. That's their choice. Um, but as we're starting to see in certain situations, there are some real consequences for that choice that may affect whether or not players will be allowed to play. So we'll keep an eye on it, Rob. Um, but let's move on, man. Let's move on to to baseball. And so why don't you tell us, man, about your weekend experience both in terms of watching the red sox yankees series on television um and then also being at the game on saturday man so friday's game was great obviously the yankees took the series swept the series so the friday game was good but saturday was the game i was excited for it was a birthday present for my for my wife she gave it back to me in august uh said we're going to the red sox yankees game I said some stuff that we're not going to revisit about what that game was supposed to be. But well, I think, well, wait a minute. If I, if I recall, I think you said something about taking the Red Sox out their misery, ending their season, <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously that didn't happen, but I'll tell you what did happen, man. Yankee fans took over Fenway Park. There was a moment in time at that game where I thought I was at Yankee Stadium watching my Yankees play. It was that loud. The stadium was rocking. And we were drowning out the Yankee jeers with Yankee cheers. And my goodness, man, the energy. First of all, it's my first baseball game at a stadium. And I don't know how long. It's been a few years now. But just being in that atmosphere around people, celebrating, you know, just the game, the game in general. I was just happy to be there watching a baseball game live because that's something that I really, really miss. Um, so just being there was awesome. But experiencing and seeing the Yankees play well and coming back and hitting that big home run late in the game to kind of just silence the Fenway crowd, the Red Sox crowd, and, and the Yankee fans to take over was something unbelievable, man. And Probably the best game I have ever been to, honestly, in terms of just overall energy. So it was a great weekend, very great weekend. The Yankees played well. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, which is sweep the series. 
Um, I don't think two out of three would have done it. I think they needed to sweep, make a statement, and let the rest of the AL know we're still in this. We've struggled all season. It's been a roller coaster year, but we're still in this and we're here. And they did just that. They did what they had to do and sweep, and now on to Toronto. Yeah, on to Toronto. Um, and look, hats off to John Carlos Stanton because he had a monster yeah. series against the Red Sox. Um, three home runs, 10 RBIs. Um, but the Yankees, you know, they they played well, uh, got clutch hits when they needed to, and came away with the sweep. Um, but they still have Toronto coming up in Toronto for the next three, starting tomorrow as we speak, and then finish up with the Tampa Bay Rays. And, um, you know, the other teams have an easier way uh, of it you know um baltimore um uh is on the schedule for both toronto and the red sox uh the red sox are playing baltimore while the yankees are playing toronto um no the red sox are playing the nationals i think right they they start with baltimore finish oh they start with baltimore and they finish with the nationals so yeah yeah that so that's you know that on paper seems like a a very easy road for the Red Sox. But again, at this time of the year, teams love playing spoiler. So we'll have to see how, how that turns out, but the Yankees are in good position right now. They have reclaimed the top wildcard spot. They're a game up on the Red Sox, two games up on Toronto. Um, But you know, Seattle's right there. They're not that far behind and Oakland's right there. So you know, Oakland's a little bit further out, what they're four games out, I guess, of the wild card spot. But they're right there. All these teams, yeah. man. You know, um, so uh they're probably three out of the second wild card spot, I think Oakland might be, right? So it's like one, two, and yeah. three for the um Toronto, uh Seattle and Oakland. So there's a lot going on in the American League as they try to jockey for that last playoff spot or those last two playoff spots. Um, not so much in the National League, man. Um, you know, my favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals, have won <laughs> six. <laughs> have won sixteen games in a row, um, and and pretty much locked down the second wild card um the dodgers who are two games behind san francisco um in the division out west um have the first wild card completely locked down um but there's not much else right other than philadelphia perhaps you know uh catching the atlanta braves as they sit two and a half behind atlanta on the eve of a three-game series with the Braves starting tomorrow. Um, thoughts overall on the NL and the playoff picture there? Well, St. Louis, man, 16 in a row. That's, that is something, it, it, especially this late in the season where, you know, 16 games ago we were wondering who was going to take up that second spot. And all of a sudden <laughs> they said, no, we got this. We got, we're doing this for Jeff. We got this. So they're going to be in the playoffs again, <laughs> man. But yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's like you said, everything's pretty much locked up except for that, that NL East. And this is a big three-game set going on right now. 
that's about to start, I believe it's tomorrow, between Atlanta and Philadelphia to determine who's going to, maybe not determine, but, you know, really decide what's going on in that division. And I think Atlanta eventually will, will take it, although Philadelphia has been playing well of late. And I don't know, man. It's going to be good. But I think the biggest takeaway from the National League, two takes away, two takeaways, San Francisco has played a great year. They've had an amazing year this year. And, you know, I keep saying, oh, they're going to do great in the first half, and then they kind of tail off in the second, and they just did not this year. They continued to, to grind it out. They pitched well. And 102 games they've won so far in first place in a division that we thought the Dodgers may run away with. And, and the second takeaway for me is, is the disappointment in San Diego, who, you know, on paper, which is a big thing that we've, we've always said since the beginning of the season, on paper they look like the best team not named the Dodgers and just fell out of it, eliminated from playoff contention and, and not even close to it at that. But, yeah, man, it, it's, it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. We're a week away from October baseball. The weather's changing. The chill is in the air. This is what we live for, man, and, and it's exciting to see how these races are going to finally close up, and we'll see what's going to happen in October. Yeah, we will. I mean, and, you know, we're going in, – in the National League, we're going to have one team be a wild card having won over 100 games. It's insane. Right? Either the Dodgers or San Francisco – will end up being that first wild card. And, you know, whichever team it is, if you win 100, 101, 102, 103 games, and then you find yourself in a one-game wild card, you know what I mean? The pressure, yeah. right? You you Big you time. have to win, right? Uh, you win 100 games. I kind of feel St. Louis kind of put that on themselves as well. Right. Okay. Fine. You won 16 games in a row. Okay. You're playing some of your best baseball. It would be a shame to lose in that one game walker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? After we're doing all that winning. So I think in the National League, you're going to have the potential for, you know, uh, somebody, well, someone's going to go home very disappointed. Yeah. Right. Um, and because... I think if you're St. Louis, if you're St. Louis, I think you're rooting for the Dodgers to take that division. Because if you're St. Louis and you have to face Scherzer or or Bueller in a one-game playoff, right. I don't like my chances. But at least San Francisco, you know, as great as their pitching is, Gosman has struggled. Um, and then they got a couple other arms out there who, who they're good arms. They're, they're really good arms. They've done great all season, but you have a better chance against San Francisco if you're St. Louis than you do against the Max Scherzer, who's just lights out and just somehow he's, he just keeps getting better. And and Bueller is who he is. Cy Young candidate, I think, for the next five to seven years. Yeah. Yeah, but somebody's going home disappointed. Yeah, big time. You know? Um, but, you know, the... the the real intrigue is in the American League as we come down to this final week, as you said, because, it, you know, we do have a number of teams that are still alive. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. This is the final week of the season, and we will see who emerges um, out of the pack. 
Um, one other baseball thing I want to get your thoughts on before we head out, out of here. Um, MVPs. Um, there's been some talk in the American League as to whether or not Vlad Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, you know, would overtake Otani, who for many people, you know, for months now has been the runaway uh, MVP in the American League. What What are your thoughts? Do you think Vladdy has done enough or could do enough to overtake Otani and capture the MVP, or is that something that Otani has sewn up? Honestly, I think Otani has it locked up. And I know there's been people say, oh, he had it locked up in, in July. I don't think that's so much the case, even though he had a great, you know, he kind of tailed off a little bit, um, which is expected. You're a two-way player. And that was a big question mark for me. How long is he going to keep it going? Because he had a very great start to the season. You know, he was leading the league in home runs at one point for a while. Um, so the tail off is expected, especially when you're you're pitching every five days and you're batting every every single day. Um, but I think for Vlad Jr., and, and and I knew he was going to have a breakout year this year. It was just you could see it in him. He lost the weight. He got better. He, his dad is a Hall of Fame legend, and he's the guy that's teaching him how to hit. So imagine that. But I think for Vlad Jr. to have taken this MVP, it would have had to be a triple crown and the Blue Jays for sure make the playoffs. And, and we're talking about triple crown with 50-plus home runs, which he can still do. But I think Otani has it locked up because it's just one of those seasons that Otani had that we have never seen in our lifetime. You know, it's they compare him to Babe Ruth, but listen, what Otani's doing is, is just different, man. It's a different brand of baseball. And I joked around with, with a couple of my guys that I play softball on the weekends. He's playing by softball rules, you know, because in softball you can have the pitcher and then you send him to the outfield if you don't want to lose his arm, move him to first base, something like that. And that's kind of what Otani is. He's a – He's a softball player playing Major League Baseball, where he's out there, he's giving you eight innings of one-run ball, striking out 10 guys, and then he's hitting two home runs. That's, that's never – we'll never see that again, at least I don't think so, not to this extent, not to this level of success. Um, I would love for Vlad Jr. to win it just as a fellow Dominican, you know, to have him win the MVP. It'll be a great story for the country and all that stuff. But I think what Otani has done this year, the impact he's had on the game in general, you know, internationally and, and nationally, it's just incredible, man. Yeah. I I mean, look, hats off to Vlad, you know, Vlad Jr. for what he's done, you know, um, a magnificent season for him. And, you know, the Blue Jays are still in the playoff hunt. Uh, Otani's a, uh, angels are out of it and have been out of it for a while. But as you said, Otani, you know, 23 starts and pitching to a low three ERA while at the same time hitting 45 home runs and driving in 90 something. I mean, come on, man. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it seemed as if Vladdy had a chance to, um, captured a triple crown. I don't think he's, he has a chance now to no. do that. But even if he did, you know, a triple crown is something that we've seen, right? It's it's yeah, a it's exactly. a really 
you know, spectacular accomplishment, but it is something that we've seen before. Multiple And very times. recently. Sure. Very recently with Miguel Cabrera, yeah. Right. But what Otani is doing and has done is something that, you know, many of us have never seen because many of us never saw Babe Ruth. So I don't even know what that really means. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if Babe Ruth was as dominant as a pitcher and as a hitter at the same time. I, you know what I mean? Um, um, but and to what extent, and that, you know, and also to the, the, the game was so different back then, not to take anything away from Babe Ruth, but, you know. Yeah, that's, that's my argument, too. The game was so different back then, but Otani at one point this season was the best hitter and the best pitcher for a good stretch, you know, right. in, in the beginning of the right. season. And that's insane to even say, to even think about. That's, that's just crazy, man. Right. So I think he does have the MVP in the American League on lockdown. And good for him, right? Good for him. The National League, um, the names that you're hearing now are Bryce Harper, Fernando Tatis Jr. And over the past week or so, um, you know, it's been more and more you're hearing Juan Soto's name, perhaps, sort of edging up into the conversation. Um, what do you think about the National League? Who do you think is going to capture the MVP in the National League? Oh, this one is, um, I think it's a lot more up in the air. Um, I think recency bias is with Juan Soto. I don't think he'll win it. But the kind of season this kid is having at the age of 22 and the type of hitter he is, and, and I think it was last year or earlier this year, I called him probably the best straight-up hitter in baseball. Not better, not best player. That's Mike Trout. I don't want to hear the argument, but just straight hits, the way he hits, it's, I think it's Juan Soto in the majors, period. Um, I think the MVP, you know, Bryce Harper's having an amazing year. I think the MVP goes to Tatis. And listen, he's had injuries. He's had all this stuff. And for a while, he was out and still led the National League in a lot of categories. And I think the season he's had, you know, he's lived up to the hype of what he is. You know, a, a dynamic player. Um, obviously, they have to move him to the outfield because of the shoulder injury. But, you know, a dynamic player, a game changer. Um, I'm sure he's disappointed that his team didn't make it to where they expected to be. But the season he's had is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's probably going to get to the 40 home runs. Maybe he, may, maybe he'll push it to the 100 over as he's at 90-something now. But the the kind of season he's had is just unbelievable. And I think he'll take the, the MVP. Although Bryce Harper, man, I'll give him credit. He's he stepped up as a leader of that the Phillies team. He's done his, his share offensively. And I don't think people can call him overrated anymore. I think he's he's let that go. And he's shown people, listen, I'm who I am and I'm gonna continue to be great. And he's doing that. Yeah, I agree with you and Bryce Harper on that last point. Um and I think part of it is he stopped trying to be the guy that runs around the bases and knocks his helmet off and acts like he ran uh, from underneath his helmet. You know what I mean? That that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah. Cause that's, you know, and being all about the hair and all the rest of that stuff and, you know, being more of a personality than a player um, always has been super talented. And now he's just let this play do the talking, you know, and I don't yeah. know if getting married and I think he, he's, 
he and his wife have had a baby. Um, I don't know if that has maybe matured him some or just being around long enough to, you know, be focused in on, you know, letting his talent do all of his talking. Um, but I think, you know, he's had a, a really, a really good year, a really great year. Um, I have to tell you, I, I don't think Tati should win. I don't think he no. should win. No, I don't. I First of all, I think Harper's stats are better. I think Harper's stats are better, and he's doing it for a team that's contending in the final week of the season. Um, and he hasn't missed as much time as Tatis. Tatis was not available for his team for, you know, for a couple of stints there because of the shoulder issues and some other injuries. And so, you know, I, I get it. I get the talent. I, I get, you know, the flair and everything else. But I think Harper's numbers are better. I think he's played more. He's been more available for his team. And he's helped his team compete down to the end. And Tatis hasn't done that. So in my mind, if it's between those two guys, my vote is for Bryce Harper. Hey, I wouldn't be mad. I think Tatis should get it. Um, but like I said, Bryce Harper has had some type of year. And, and I think a lot of it is what you said. You know, he's matured to the point where he's just saying, you know, what? I'm not going to even bother with the critics. I'm not going to bother with people calling me this and calling me that. I'm just going to do me. I'm not, I don't care what the contract says and people criticizing it. I'm just going to go and play ball. And he's done it to a high, high level. And, and it shows in the play of the, of the team. You know, he's, he's grown as a leader, which is something that was questioned, I think, when he was with, with the Nationals. And he's coming to his own, man. And I think he's just starting to turn that corner and hit the prime, which is crazy to say because he's been around for so long. It is crazy to say. But um, I, I do think in the end, Tatis's absences and what might be viewed as a disappointing season for San Diego, and you alluded to it, and it has been. Yeah, I think that's going to rub off on him somewhat. You know, in other words, he's going to be caught up in that view of disappointment. I think you know the injuries. I think. Even that little skirmish he had with Manny Machado, where it seems like mm. it seemed as if the pressure was getting to the team and they weren't <laughs> performing well anymore yeah. and they started to crack under the pressure. I think there were things related to Tatis that kind of take away from what is an undeniable talent and an undeniably great year but it comes with some negatives to it. I don't think Bryce Harper has that. And I think Harper finished strong. His team is in it. So um, I, I'm, I, I believe Harper would come away with it. I, in fact, I think Soto might edge out Tatis as well. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's right. Oh, and this is from the guy, by the way, who told you and everybody else who would listen that the Brewers were going to be the team to beat in the, in the Central. You did say that. I give you credit for that, 100%. <laughs> I doubted them. Yeah. But I also said St. Louis wasn't going to go anywhere, so. <laughs> <laughs> they did it for you. They did it for you. <laughs> so it just tells you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Anybody can be lucky. <laughs> Oh man, but um, but yeah. So we'll see about the MVP, and obviously we can talk about Cy Young another time. But 
All right, brother, let's wrap this one up. Um, let's, uh, you know, the NBA situation with the vaccines, we, we talked about that. We're going to keep our eye on that because we have not yeah. heard the end of that. And so there's going to be a lot more to come on that story. And we'll probably will see some of it also in the NHL as well. And then, of course, um, we have the playoff hunts coming down to the to the final few games. And then after that, Rob, it's postseason Oof. baseball. So, yeah, uh, we have a lot to look forward to. And also uh, on tonight, we're recording this on Monday night. My Cowboys are about to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was talking to an Eagles fan today, and he said that he was about to wear his shirt. Right? Get this. He was, he was, he has a shirt that says something like birds go crazy on Sunday or something like that. And I said, well, I don't know who made that shirt, but they didn't think it through because <laughs> that means you can't wear it on Monday night games. You can't wear it on Thursday night games. You nope. can't wear it at the end of the season <laughs> when they play on Saturday. I said, so whoever thought, I said, leave it to an Eagles fan to come up with a shirt like that. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so I'm about to turn that on and hopefully see my Cowboys pluck the Eagles feathers tonight. So we'll see. Yeah, well, hopefully you celebrate because I can't watch the NFL this year. So, well, your team, the Jets, aren't an NFL team. I think they're, yeah, what? I don't know what I think they they're, are. I think they're a Division three college team, but they should play Bishop Sycamore. Maybe we'll get a W there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But we'll uh we'll we'll come back next week, man, and, and just keep our eye on all of these stories and more. So um great talking with you. Thanks for everybody who took the time to listen in. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Sports 360.